Some people say you can tell a lot about a person from what kind of shoes they like to wear or the coffee they order. But when you want to learn about a whole group of people, you can tell a lot from what goes on down the toilet. I'm Sharon Brett Kelly, and today on The Detail, how our waste is revealing more and more about our lives. COVID cases could be 45% higher than what's officially being reported. The Ministry of Health says wastewater testing is indicating there are far more cases out there than showing in the official numbers. Just like with COVID, health officials across the Bay Area are using wastewater to determine the true number of monkeypox cases. One of the big ways to track diseases, sewage. Today, officials here in New York announced that they found polio virus in the city's wastewater. COVID put wastewater testing on our radar. Well, as we've just reported, COVID-19 has been found in the wastewater in Walkworth. Wastewater testing has also detected the virus in Tauranga and Mount Monganui. Open borders and people, you know, getting very lax with their mask use has seen a soup of COVID variants show up in wastewater tests around the country. But high-tech testing, basically spying on our poo, can also be used to find out about how much we smoke, how stressed out we are, and even pick up bioterrorism. I mean, really, we can look at almost anything in wastewater. The question becomes what you want to do with the information and what questions you want to ask about it. That's Dr Brent Gilpin. He works at Crown Research Institute, ESR, as the science leader in the environmental science team. Is this the upside of COVID in that you've discovered that it can tell you so many things about what's going on in the world? Yeah, well, I guess this whole field of wastewater-based epidemiology has evolved as a fairly new one. I mean, I think it's a pretty good idea to have a look at your what you leave behind in the toilet, which can tell you on an individual basis you know, whether you're drinking enough, whether you need to go to the doctor pretty quickly. And the medical profession has certainly uh, adopt, been really adopted this whole... Um, un- taking samples, whether it's urine, faeces or other ones, and you can understand a whole pile of things from, you know, whether you've got an infectious disease and what it might be, whether you've got too much protein or sugar in your, in your urine, whether you've been exposed in the environment to things like lead or, you know, whether you're even cheating as an athlete with steroids. <gasps> Amazing. And, and wastewater-based epidemiology really developed from a hypothesis that rather than testing one person at a time, can we look at the wastewater from a whole community, which could be as you know half a million people, and understand many of those same things on a community-wide basis? And Brent, can you just describe to me, so what actually happens in this process? I mean, you know, do people go out with their test tubes to the to the, the sewage ponds? What, what happens? Yeah, so in most situations, the, the wastewater treatment plant operators across the country and really need to say a big, huge thanks to all of those people um, for, for all throughout this work. They, um, in most situations, we're collecting wastewater from a wastewater treatment plant. So when, it, when the waste leaves your toilet or workplace, it gets piped through to the wastewater treatment plant in, in a central location where they can then treat it. So as it comes in, we have an auto sampler set up that's collecting a little bit of waste every 10 or 15 minutes so that we get a 24-hour composite as the ideal sample. We then take a, somewhere between about a litre of that and send it to the laboratory. We're able to concentrate 
that down, extract out the particular component that we're interested in, and then use some really high sensitive technology to uh, look at either chemicals or um, DNA or other or RNA or other microorganisms that might be present. What, what does that testing, that sample thing, look like at the wastewater treatment plant? Uh, it's it's really just a, a pump um, that's that's got a tube sitting down into the waste flow and is then pulling out a little uh, pumps, just basically pumps and fills up a bottle. So somewhere like Christchurch, I think there's about 170 million litres of sewage a day. So we can't obviously test all of that. We're just taking a little bit um, to really get a what is hopefully a representative sample of the wastewater catchment. And this is getting to the nitty gritty, but what, what does that sample look like? I mean, is it basically raw sewage? Yes, exactly. Okay. Yep. So it's a raw sewage sample, um, full of everything that that sewage has. So mixtures of yeah, all the poo, wee, everything that comes from your sink, industrial inputs. Yeah. So it's a, it's not not the most pleasant sample <laughs> when it arrives. And the technology Brent and his team use to test the samples is highly, highly sensitive. They can pick up on the presence of a disease or drug at one part per trillion. That's the equivalent of if you're looking at somewhere like the Auckland region, being able to see a a single ping-pong ball somewhere within that thousand square kilometres. So when a new infectious disease came into the picture three years ago, the world turned to wastewater for answers. Researchers are not surprised wastewater testing is emerging as a go-to method for finding COVID-19. Scientists in India have found wastewater testing can predict a wave of COVID-19 infections a month before symptoms start to show. Testing by Italy's national health body, the ISS, found traces of COVID-19 in Turin and Milan in December last year, two months before the first clinical case in February. When COVID hit, how did everything change for you, for your team? Yeah, so, so we did get some funding from the COVID Innovation Fund, which the government put forward in when COVID first started, which we used to develop some of this methodology for looking at the SARS-CoV-2, the virus that causes COVID-19 in wastewater. So we'd done some work looking for the virus, and fortunately we weren't finding very much. Uh, I guess back in, in August twenty. 21, before the Delta outbreak, we were doing about 25 locations around the country and really enabling us to have some confidence that there wasn't COVID being spread. When the Delta outbreak happened in mid-August 2021, suddenly we ramped that up to, I think, somewhere around 180 sites across the country. We did the guys in the Coromandel where that first case occurred. The man who first tested positive for COVID visited the area with his wife over the weekend and wastewater testing is being done alongside COVID swabs to see if the virus has spread. Travelled round throughout the Coromandel collecting wastewater samples which helped demonstrate that it hadn't been spread in the community in the Coromandel. There were some people in Wellington who'd been at the church event in Auckland. Samoa Assembly of God Church welcomed more than 500 people at an event nine days ago which has now produced the highest number of recent cases. And then they returned, uh, we were able to detect the virus in the wastewater but because they didn't spread it any further, we could show that the virus hadn't been spread to the community. And how quickly can you turn around that testing? You know, how quickly can you get a result? Um, once we get the sample in the lab, we have been having, we were able, to, you know, working through the night sort of thing to have results by the next day. And obviously, when the Prime Minister was on television saying that. This afternoon, Cabinet also assessed 
how long Northland will need to remain in level four. Now, additional wastewater testing at over 20 sites in Northland are due on Thursday. That Northland would be held in level four um, pending wastewater results. We were working you know, at high speed and under high pressure and stress to look at, I think we were looking at about 18 wastewater treatment plants across Northland. And how many people would have been involved in that? Uh, not enough is probably the short answer. <laughs> Some people working really hard long hours. And um, what, what have you learnt over those three years? I mean, you must know a lot more now about the whole testing thing and what it can tell you compared with, you know, the start of 2019. Yes, uh, yeah, I mean, absolutely. Understanding how long you might be able to detect it, where it might be, I think it's, it would be true to say that the if we... If we were starting the pandemic outbreak response in New Zealand, wastewater would have an even more prominent position than it did uh, earlier on because of, I think, the trust and understanding that's built up as to what you can do do with that information and how sensitive it can be. And now we're moving into a situation where it's becoming a tool that we can use to, as part of the surveillance system for understanding you know, both community levels and also the variants that might be circulating and how that aligns with what we, what we find from testing of individuals. What have all ESR's resources been put into testing for COVID? Has it, has it meant that you've had to put aside other projects relating to wastewater testing? As with everything in New Zealand, the focus has been on COVID um, dramatically but uh, over the last period. But we, we've had projects, for example, while well, the illicit drugs work continued throughout. I think there was only a month that that work stopped right at the beginning. And that's been really useful. You know, when The lockdown period clearly demonstrated that I think we had a tenfold reduction in cocaine usage across the country as the borders were, cl- were closed off. It obviously stopped cocaine coming into the country and, and we also were able to see differences through the country in which as to the impact of people not being able to travel. So that work's continued. Uh, we've also been doing some development work with antimicrobial res- resistance in wastewater has been slower than, than what we might have hoped for otherwise, but we've had a, a, some people that have continued to work on, on those aspects. Antimicrobial resistance, what is that? You know, antimicrobial resistance, so microbes and their resistance to antibiotics is uh, one of the big threats to humanity. The sobering new development with superbugs and public health concerns about the limited effect of antibiotics. For the first time in the U.S., a person has been found to be carrying a strain of E. coli that's resistant to antibiotics of last resort. So as we start to move back to it, you know, penicillin doesn't actually work for many of the, the microorganisms and there's a whole range of, of other uh, antimicrobials that we might take, which at the moment will cure an infectious disease, that we're getting increasing resistance in those microorganisms that can have some really severe impacts on, on the, our health as a society going forward and whether we can do operations and other things. So, so wastewater is one place where we can start to monitor for the antimicrobials themselves, so the chemicals for the microorganisms and for some of those genes that might be present that can confer res- resistance to antimicrobials. I mean, this is just one aspect that we can start to 
to get a understanding and a, and a look at some trends over time as to whether we're seeing increases in some of these things in the community, which we do by monitoring notified organisms that wind up at the hospital and other places. But wastewater is another place we might better look more broadly at both uh, what we see more generally in the population of these antimicrobial resistance genes and organisms, and whether they're increasing or decreasing. Yeah, you're, you're looking at trends, is that right? Um, yes, yeah, yeah, and I think that's one of the powerful things with wastewater-based epidemiology is trends over time. Uh, is, is whatever you're looking at improving or, or getting worse? And the wastewater can be quite an objective way of making those measurements that's perhaps not influenced by either political activities or, or even just government activities. The drug testing is fascinating. Wastewater drug testing has revealed methamphetamine use has risen by a third. Police say it follows increased availability of the drug and the ongoing effects of the COVID pandemic. You're able to look at different regions and where different drugs are more prevalent. For example, Northland is leading in usage of methamphetamine. The Waikato is actually just taken the lead in that, in that category at the oh. moment. But yes, there's certainly differences around the country. The southern region has you know, cocaine usage in, in, sort of in Auckland region and, and down in Queenstown are sort of a couple of the highest areas in the country. Places like Dunedin tend to have more ecstasy or MDMA relatively and Invercargill has higher levels of methamphetamine. So even within one region there, like in the southern part of New Zealand, you've got some quite different things going on in different parts of the region, which may point towards, uh, you know, from a health and well-being point of view, that you're taking more nuanced responses in those areas in terms of what you might have in terms of health support and, and what responses you might make. I mean, why would there be more cocaine use in central Auckland and Queenstown? Is that because it's a more expensive drug and... Yes, yeah, so I think it's about availability, it's the sort of party drug and, and I think relatively more expensive on, a, on an individual dosage and to do with the demographics of, of the people. I mean, when we look at some of the drug usage over a week, then things like ecstasy or or MDMA really peaks in usage on a Friday and a Saturday night, consistent with the idea that people are using it more in that situation. Whereas methamphetamine we see is a much more even over the week, so many people unfortunately become addicted and are really just having to consume that drug all, all through the week. So we don't see that weekend peak associated with methamphetamine to the same level. Gosh, um, how and how is this information used? I mean, th so this goes to the police? Yeah, so the, so the National Drug Intelligence Bureau, which includes police, uh, customs and the Ministry of Health, I really, I mean, I think this is about understanding how effective are the, your policies and actions. And, and and I guess this whole assessment, which is, you know, always topical as to how effective is what government does and what society does in, in actually making it difference or a change. The Drug Foundation is calling for a more health-based, holistic approach to tackling New Zealand's methamphetamine problem. It says the government spends four times as much on ineffective drug law enforcement than it spends on measures that actually prevent drug harm. 
wastewater provides you an opportunity to assess well if you you know if you become much more punitive with your policing actions is it actually having an impact because obviously there's a cost that comes with that in terms of both you know from a police in terms of resources to do it and a cost on society if you're put throwing people in prison much more frequently is it actually having an impact on on the outcome you're after which in this case is reductions in drug drug harm and as a sort of proxy drug usage and and I guess conversely the other way if you um, start to liberalize some of your drug activities is it actually making things worse or is it just that they're becoming a wee bit more visible um, to the general population and that's I think the real power of wastewater based epidemiology to make assessments of policies and government actions and societal behaviours and see how they might be changing in a more objective manner. I mean, one of the other things I hadn't mentioned was really the equity issue with wastewater, that wastewater provides, you know, really samples a whole populations or cities without relying on people either to volunteer to go forward and get tested or even to have access, you know, in cases of infectious disease. We get lower notified rates of many diseases from Māori and Pacific Island and Asian uh, sectors, and I don't think that's because they're being less affected, but they're not necessarily having the same access to the health care or going forward and and getting samples tested. All of which you know requires transport, and particularly in rural areas, can be quite challenging to even get the samples to a laboratory. In Israel, parents are being urged to take their children for a polio booster after the virus was discovered in sewage. The virus was found in a treatment plant in the south and then detected in the north, indicating that it spread throughout the country. It's interesting to see what's going on internationally, isn't it? You know, different places, they're they're testing for different things, like Israel was testing for polio spread through bioterrorism. Yes, yeah, and and that predated the COVID epidemic. Activities and they they had they had been looking over a number of years. Um, they obviously have a much more uh, focus on bioterrorism and activities, and they picked up uh, polio in the wastewater. And from that wastewater testing, they then uh, increased the sort of vaccination and investigations, and then found it in, in their communities. The war in Ukraine. The Ukrainians are winning the war. The Russians are losing. The Ukrainian counteroffensive, from the Russian point of view, has to be stopped. As brutal as this all is, it also really shows how much Putin has been backed into a corner. So what comes next? What does the testing of wastewater, does that tell us anything different? Well, uh, it becomes on the bioterrorism type angle an opportunity to look for some of these less common diseases that we might not otherwise pick up. So smallpox has obviously been eliminated from the world, uh, which was a huge success. But while the stockpiles have been removed from most places in the world, there's undoubtedly still some smallpox in some laboratories in some countries in the world. Gosh, how do you know that it's still being stored somewhere in laboratories? I don't have any personal knowledge. I mean, once they eliminated smallpox, there was a worldwide effort to remove it. And so New Zealand, in fact, the predecessors of ESR used to have smallpox vials in our laboratories, but they were, as part of a WHO decree, destroyed so that we don't actually have any of the live virus anymore stored in freezers. But I think some of the countries in the world may well still have them from a bioterrorism um, possibility countries that might be more inclined to use biological warfare. Such as Russia? 
that would be a good example. Mm. Um, and it, I mean, bioterrorism in terms of microbial sources is something that's been you know used over hundreds or even thousands of years, from you know people throwing smallpox infected blankets and or or contaminating water supplies in a warfare situation. So it has been a very effective means in the past and could be again, particularly as we start to move to a point where people aren't we don't get vaccinated for smallpox anymore. So we're probably moving back into being a susceptible population that that would be potentially a very effective weapon in the wrong hands. You've got a few trials going on at the moment. You're exploring a few different things. Can you tell me a bit about those, tobacco and alcohol consumption? Yes, yeah, so, so I mean, really, we can look at almost anything in in wastewater. The question becomes what you want to do with the information and what questions you want to ask about it. So the laboratory has done some work demonstrating that we can detect tobacco and metabolites in the wastewater, as as well as some indications of alcohol. So it's not something we're doing on a widespread nature at, at the moment. Could have potential application in the future in terms of elimination of. Tobacco from New Zealand is something sort of still on the agenda. The government's denounced radical moves to get the country closer to reaching the smoke-free 2025 goal. Among the raft of proposed new rules announced yesterday was a rising age prohibition, meaning no one aged... So in that case of black market, mm. tobacco usage may be something that wastewater could help shed some light on as to what that might be. Wow. Stress hormones. Your stress hormones are another one that people have highlighted. These increasingly become more complicated, and we certainly need quite a lot of you know science and understanding to really understand how stable these things are, how much people excrete them, how much variability there might be if they have sources that aren't directly related to the behaviour or the activity you're looking at, then that can be an issue. But yeah, I think it's again, what questions are you do you want to answer, and what do you want to do with the information and, and waste? water can provide a, a really cost-effective means to understand many of these things better. Gosh, it's really fascinating. I mean, did you imagine it would be like this, you know, when you first started out in this area? No, no, absolutely not. And in fact, um, we're probably we're on the sceptical side for a number of these activities as to just how useful it would be. The work with police, I remember when we started that, was initially funded from the proceeds of crime and was you know, really three sites, pilot sites, to really evaluate the feasibility of, of that. And it's just grown from there. And then as we go to a, a range of other infectious, infectious diseases, we can really see a huge scope there. And then and the, these other markers of well-being and those really open up a, a huge opportunity for understanding what, what's going on in society over time. And, and as I said, I think that effective evaluation of, of public behaviour, individual behaviour and, and government and other actions is really where we can see the, the biggest value. That's it for today. I'm Sharon Brett Kelly. The detail is public interest journalism funded through NZ On Air and produced by Newsroom for RNZ. You can get us downloaded free to your mobile device every weekday from any podcast platform. Today's episode was engineered by William Saunders and produced by Bonnie Harrison and Sarah Robson. And thanks to Brent Gilpin. Kakite anō. Ka